G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 60 of the WP Elevation podcast, where we help WordPress consultants and entrepreneurs build the business they need to support the lifestyle they desire. In this episode, our feature guest is Ed Dale. He is undoubtedly one of Australia's most well-known and successful internet marketers. He started the 30-Day Challenge back in 2005 and has since taught over 300,000 people how to generate their first dollar online, and he's done all of that for free. He also uh, is one of the founders of MagCast, a publishing platform to publish your magazines to iPads um, and those other Android tablet devices. Uh, in this episode, it really is more an Ed Dale masterclass more than anything. He teaches so much and gives us so much advice around consulting and pricing and value. It's just epic. It's just absolutely epic. I'm so proud to bring Ed to our audience. He's one of my mentors. He's the whole reason that WP Elevation exists in the first place because he coached me through a period where I was feeling a little bit lost in my professional life and I wasn't sure what to do. And he helped me focus and he helped me find my passion and he motivated me and coached me through starting the podcast and uh, positioning myself as one of the influencers in the WordPress market. And I know that you are just going to learn a lot from Ed. This is a long episode, so make yourself a cuppa and get comfortable. Uh, we're also giving away a single site license for the WP Touch Pro plugin, valued at $49. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is, of course, brought to you by Video User Manuals. It is the only, the best, the original way to teach your clients how to use WordPress. Uh, our plugin puts over 70 video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them everything they need to know about using WordPress to manage their content and everything they need to know to use the WP SEO by Yoast plugin, WooCommerce, and Justin Catroni, analytics advocate at Google, has just allowed us to include a bunch of Google Analytics videos in the plugin as well. So your client, you can now educate your client directly in their dashboard about how to set up and use Google Analytics. You can have this plugin for $1 for your first month. That is just ridiculous. And then $24 a month after that for uh, as many client sites as you like. You can rebrand it, put your own logo on it, add your own custom videos, turn individual videos on or off. And you can also use our new embed codes to embed the videos on your membership website and invite your customers to come in and learn WordPress in your membership website. So we've just given you a whole bunch of content you can use to start your own membership website. Not bad, hey? Check it out at wpelevation.com slash VUM and check out a quirky little video my wife and I made about uh, how you can use the plugin to train your clients how to use WordPress. Elevation tip this week is I've got a note here, give the elevation tip of the week and weave it in with some personal experience. Well, let me tell you something. My elevation tip of the week this week is to get clear about who it is you want to serve. Now, I'm not joking about this. This is probably the most serious piece of advice I'm ever going to give you. Today's guest is Ed Dale, who mentored me for six months in the end of 2012. And he basically helped me focus on the tribe that I wanted to serve, which turns out is WordPress consultants. And as a result of that work I did with Ed, 
WP Elevation was born, the podcast was born, everything I've done in WP Elevation. And the reason that this business is a success now is because of what I learned from Ed Dale. He taught me everything I know about online marketing, about serving a tribe, about adding value. Uh, he's just a, a f fountain and mountain of knowledge. I have a huge amount of respect for him and I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to bring Ed Dale to you guys. So without further ado, let's go and meet. And by the way, this is a long episode. It's over an hour, 10 minutes, I think, and it is just full of great information. So make yourself a cuppa, get comfortable. We're also giving away some prizes. Let's go and meet Ed Dale. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I am super chuffed to have with me all the way from Mooney Ponds, Ed Dale. Hey, Ed, how are you? from darkest, deepest Mooney Ponds. It's a thrill to be here, Troy. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for being on the show, man. Um, now, before we before we uh, get into all things WordPress and entrepreneur and internet marketing and, and I start to geek off about how much I love you, uh, I'm going to announce a competition, which is I'm giving away a single site license to WP Touch Pro, which allows you to turn your WordPress website into a beautiful mobile site. That's valued at $49 for the year. Stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on, and in fact, why we're running that competition and offering that prize. Hey, Ed, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, good question. I started off uh, a librarian, would you believe? <laughs> <laughs> well, given the number of I, books behind I, you, I, to, I, that wouldn't surprise yeah, me. No, it, that was the first, that was really the first, like the first time I can remember uh, a job, like I love books so much and I loved being, you know, geeking out in the school library. I thought a teacher librarian was just absolutely the the bee's knees. That was the first thing I can remember. But you remember, you got to remember my childhood was uh, pre-PC. So once computers came on the uh, the scene, uh, all of that changed a little bit. You know, I, I worked, I got my first computer, which was a VIC-20. Uh, uh -huh. We were very, very poor. And so I worked for two years to uh, delivering medicine in Beechworth, my hometown, to afford the uh, the Vic Twenty, so I could. Now I think about it, I was paid very badly, but <laughs> it was. <laughs> but that, so so once I got into, I always thought it'd be something to do with you know tech. I actually trained in physics because I did very well in physics. You never know what you're going to be. It's ironic now, isn't it? You know, because yeah. you think about these things. But yeah, librarian was a bit, little bit left field. Sweet. Nice. Well, interesting. I actually did work experience at a library in South Australia when I was like 14. And I thought there was something about the librarian girls that kind of attracted me, you know, <laughs> the, the smart girls with the glasses. I we kind of found my uh, niche there anyway. Yeah, let's not go off on that tangent. Um, so when did you discover the web? Obviously the VIC-20, which I also am proud to say I was a proud owner of the VIC-20. Uh, that yeah. thing didn't connect to other devices. So when did you first discover the web and think, oh, hang on a second, there's something in this? Yeah, I was uh, really, really early. In fact, my domain registrar number is AUD-05. Wow. So I was the fifth person to register a domain name in Australia. Wow. Uh, but the reason I was involved, in, I thought the internet sucked because <laughs> you know, I was involved in the internet before it was the internet. You know, what we know as the web is 1994 and Tim Berners-Lee and then the Netscape browser. Mm. Uh, before that, IP, the internet protocol, was actually used a lot to transfer. It's hilarious when you think about this. Uh, you know, I was involved in things like I would sell publishing systems, Mac publishing systems, and the sort of thing I'd be involved in designing is, you know, 
at tremendous costs, at hundreds of thousands of dollars, for a news corporation, for example, to send a seven megabyte file, this is hilarious when you think about it, from Sydney to Perth for publication in a paper, right? That used the internet protocol, like to do that at tremendous expense. And it was awful, it was all command line and all of that sort of thing. So so I was there right at the start. Uh, you know, I was probably one of the first couple of people that had an internet connection outside of an academic um, setting because I actually did a deal with uh, Swinburne to get an internet uh, to be able to dial up on a 9600 board modem. But when I saw the the internet, like the internet as we know it, the, the, the web, you know, I, I can proudly say that I surfed every single web site that was on the internet at the time in 1994 because the first Yahoo Deck was 50 websites wow. and I was able to go to every one of those sites in one day wow. but um, so that as soon as I saw the internet though like I knew this was something that was that was going to be big and and when you think about it you know we're such it's 20 years right mm. uh, since since then and it's it's this intersection between marketing and IT is something that I've always sort of loved mm. so so that's sort of where I got into it. I was actually talking recently. I was in Arizona hanging out with one of our um, uh, Infusionsoft consultants, and I was saying that I think the most valuable person at the moment in business is someone who understands marketing and understands technology, and they're few and far between, aren't they? It's not a natural uh, bedfellow. No. It's, it's unusual because, um, you know, the inverted commas, you know, your IT geek is not known for really being into the marketing and vice, and you know, and your typical what we would use as a stereotype marketer mm. is not necessarily big into IT. So it's but it's it's crossed over enormously mm. now, and and I think it's interesting when you know when you a lot of uh, your listeners and watchers would know, you know, the client a lot of their clients will be into lean startup and all of these sorts of things and. And so much of that is about creating little experiments, technology experiments, with a purpose to get traffic, you know, to get traffic. That's mark. That's a marketing function. Mm. But then understanding how that flows through a, a WordPress blog, for example, how they get an opt-in, how do they get a sale, or do they get advertising? You know, so it is a real meld of stuff now. And I, I find that intensely fascinating. And, and of course, because things are changing constantly, that keeps uh, people like myself uh, constantly researching and in clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did you discover WordPress? Do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it probably was later to the party, actually, because my first blog was on on the Blogger platform, and oh. that'd be about a decade ago, right? That'd be about two thousand four. So that first initial wave of of blogging, and I and I was on Blogger for uh, three or four years, and then it was after that that I switched over to uh, WordPress, and and ironically, everything that we've done since has used that WordPress foundation, all of our, you know, we built tools on top of WordPress now so that all of the functions that we have to deliver as part of delivering courses and training and those sorts of things all have WordPress as their core. Mm. Uh, so, so was it kind of for you, was it kind of an instant, okay, this thing is not just a tool, but it's something that we can leverage to generate revenue? It was more the... <sighs> It's funny, I've always had an interesting approach to tools in the sense that 
you've got to understand what they're for. You know, a person doesn't want a hammer, they want a nail in a wall so they can hang the painting up, right? They want the painting on the wall, mm. the hammer is just, and the hook is an efficient way to do it, right? Mm. And the same same with a WordPress blog and so on. The, the real incredible, I mean, and this is, cannot be underestimated, the ability to give every single person on the planet a voice and a platform and to do that relatively simply, so it wasn't much harder to do than type up an email, which is so crucial in adoption of technology that it's no more difficult than the thing that it's replacing. I mean, that's revolutionary when we think about it. And that's what I was always excited by, the fact that, and from my neck of the woods where, you know, we have passionate hobbyists who like to make a bit of money out of their particular hobby, whether that's pottery valuation or uh, one I came across the other day, which I couldn't believe, piano stool restoration, mm. would you believe? There, there is a whole community that focuses on loves piano stool restoration. What was exciting to me is if you were to publish a traditional magazine on piano stool registration, you would go broke yeah. very, very quickly. <laughs> but what the internet and I suppose what blogging and, and what WordPress enabled is that democratisation that enabled anybody uh, that wanted to do it, uh, to give them a voice. And now what's exciting now, of course, is we have this massive, what I think is that fascinating second phase is that we now have this uh, amazing community of people who know how to work WordPress and know how to, you know, it's so extensible, right? And there are so many things that you can do with it. That's good for everybody because it means that, you know, I think it's important for people who are passionate about a particular topic. They shouldn't necessarily have to stress about the tools. There are people who are much better qualified to do that. Mm. You know, I don't know the, how this pen specifically works. I don't understand mm. the gravity to the felt tip, mm. but I know if I take this pen off and it works, mm. it's fantastic. And goodness knows how much, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars of design went into the pen. Mm. I, I don't know. Um, but and whoever designed that, somebody built that, but I don't need to know. And for the vast majority of people on the planet, they don't need to know this stuff either. And what where I think there's an interesting disconnect, Troy, and I spent a lot of my career sort of trying to match that up, and I bet you a lot of people listening to this would uh, be shake, nodding their heads with it, because computing came out of a sort of a DIY, you know, a do-it-yourself culture, you know, mm. in the early days people built their own computers, right? Or in the PC days we were putting in gaming boards or, you know, doing all of that sort of stuff. And even to this day I find a lot of people, um, they they get incredibly stressed out about building a WordPress blog. They get incredibly stressed out about getting the right sort of plugins. And they'll spend days or weeks doing this where they could just get a fabulous professional to come in and do it. And they do it like that. Everybody's happy because for the professional, it's an easy job. They've probably mm. got a batch script to set most of it up. Mm. But it allows that person to concentrate on what's important to them, which is serving their particular market. So I think that's been interesting because it came from such a hobbyist culture. I think there's there where I see a lot of disconnect at the moment is this disconnect between, oh, well, I have to do all this uh, myself. Like I don't, I don't see the WordPress dashboard that much anymore, right? Because mm. I'm either emailing my articles in or somebody's putting them up for me or, you know, those sorts of things. So it's, so, and I think that's interesting. Mm. I want to talk a little bit more about that as we loop back to that conversation. But before we get there, how do you describe what you do in one sentence now? When someone meets you for the first time and they say, Ed, what do you do? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? I'm a very simple 
Shockley from Beechworth is usually <laughs> my elevator pitch. No, look, the, the the I suppose my day job for what it's worth now, and, it, and it's funny how things happen, uh, we created a platform for uh, the iPad and the iPhone called Magcast, mm. which is a delivery technology uh, for Apple's newsstand and Google's has also has their equivalent newsstand and so on. So we uh, build an underlying platform, not dissimilar if I was using a bumper sticker elevator pitch style terminology it's a bit like WordPress for tablets and mobile phones for apps uh, if that can throw in that many buzzwords in one single sentence (laughs) (laughs) and so what percentage of your time do you spend actually working in the magcast business is that kind of your full-time gig um Look, I still do a lot of training, like we do a lot of courses, a lot of teaching, you know, marketing to people who are hobbyists who uh, want to create business out of the area that they're passionate about. Uh, I still do a lot of that. So so I would say that it's probably a 50-50 split these days. But it goes in you know, platform launch coming on, then it's all, you know, everybody's nose to the grindstone for that. And, and, you know, it goes in fits and starts. I wouldn't have it any other way. It's a bit like, a, you know, somebody said, you know, how do you keep everything in control? Well, the way to visualise it, I think, is if you can imagine a, a massive runaway freight train, but at least hopefully we've got it running in the right direction. That's about right. as much as we can hope in control sense. Right. And, yeah, you're just hanging on for dear life, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, what do you what do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day? You said you're not in the not in the WordPress dashboard much these days. Obviously, you produce a lot of content. No. What do you actually spend most of your time doing? You just kind of instructing your team, or helping your team do what they do, or or strategizing. What is it that you do? Look, I like you know. First of all, I suppose the first part is just keeping abreast of everything that that's going on because you know I've got a lot of people who rely on me to be abreast of what's going on, and thank. Fully with you know iPhones and iPads, you know, and the tools that we've got available to us are fabulous for for keeping track. So that's probably you know the first job. Uh, the second job is you know creating content. You know because if you don't block out the time to do that content creation side of what we do, mm. um, you know the day gets away with you. You know it really does. It, it's fascinating you know i'm fascinated by how people work and 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 workflows and all those sorts of things and something that i see that's pretty consistent across the board you know even the most creative and and most prolific people out there on the planet probably if they're lucky have two to three hours in the day where they're actually doing that thing the rest of the day is taken up with reaction and all those sorts of things so so getting that out of the way early is something that's that I like to do and and enjoy doing, and then it's you know it's working with the team and and figuring out what's coming up. I still do you know write a lot of the you know the marketing the you know, the things like sales letters and and email and all that sort of thing, because that's something that I think for my sins you know it's best for me to be able to talk to our tribe of people who follow what we do that way. And then, you know, because we've got, a, you know, we've got a team of people who work on the, you know, the Madcast platform and and work with them and, you know, my partner in crime there, John Bass, working with him, we, you know, we do, a, there's a lot of instant message and, and backwards and forwards. We're just experimenting with Slack at the moment, actually, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot because you can't seem to 
chuck a fish for somebody who's using that uh, at the moment. So so we're actually having a look at that and seeing how that's going. But it's very distributed. You know, we've our people are all over the planet, literally. You know, New York, Thailand, Melbourne. You know, we're all over the joint. So it uh, it's you know this wonderful digital uh, lifestyle. And because I've got three young girls, you know. There's a lot of sitting outside of ballet practice on the iPhone, <laughs> checking emails and editing and, and and that sort of thing, you know, which is great. That's part of the flexibility of what we do, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night, apart from the three girls? <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, they're old enough that, that, that that's that's not too shabby. Um, look, I suppose the thing that, that's always a way, you know, for me, it's, you know, understanding traffic, I suppose. Like if I was looking for any online business in today's world, getting that attention mm. is the tough job for anybody, even somebody who's uh, inverted commas, you know, teaches people how to get traffic. Mm. That's the key thing, right? And it changes and the strategies change. The To use a gaming term, the meta changes on you, mm. you know, and all, you know, from, you know, for a couple of years, SEO is in and, and that's a great way to get traffic. And now things like Facebook are a fantastic way to get traffic. So this fundamental issue though, we've got so many cool things that are, you know, coming th to us on this thing, right? Um, I think everybody's keep awake at night thing is, well, how do I deliver value and get attention? Because it used to be the old day problem was there is so much rubbish on the internet. How do I wade through it to find the good stuff? Mm. That was the old problem. Mm. The new problem to me, and I, I suspect this for a lot of clients of people watching this, is how it's not that I've, I've got a pile, digital pile, this high of awesome stuff that mm. I want to look at mm. that I haven't looked at yet, mm. right? And I look at blog. You know, think about your favourite blogs. When was the last time you went to your favourite, actually went to your favourite blog as opposed mm. to clicked off a Twitter link and maybe went to a feed reader or whatever it was, right? That attention, even for your biggest fans, right, to me, is the real challenge mm. in this day and age. That's the thing because we've got, I don't know, who knows how many thousands of grabs for attentions, notifications going off, emails coming in, uh, you know, driving along billboards. You know, if you think about it, in the 70s we had to deal with four TV channels, two <laughs> newspapers and a couple of radio stations, right? Mm. Mm. Let's. I think my daughter's you know, year eight class probably generates more messages than were generated in the entire five years, 1970, 1975, and that's before recess, <laughs> right? You know, I look at her Instagram feed and it just blows my mind, right? Yeah. It's, uh, so that to me is that that's the keep awake at night stuff is, is you know, A, just delivering good stuff, that's just the start, right? That's yeah, yeah. the... That's the that's the you know that's just the you know get through the door, mm. um, but it's then how do I make sure you know people remember me mm. uh, in this age where there's so many opportunities to. So the dovetail question to that is: if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in the business right now, what would it be? Oh, that's. Um... Look, it's I'm not. I'm not seeing something that's super – if you'd asked me that question 12 months ago, I would yeah. have had really easy answers for you. <laughs> Google dominance, for example, was a huge issue even I think 12 months ago. They'd effectively had a monopoly on paid and organic traffic. 
Mm. Uh, however, Facebook has completely changed the game. And it's something particularly with our audiences I've got to remind people of too because there are a lot of people, quite rightly, Facebook creeps them out a bit mm. or they don't understand, they don't like it, they don't participate on it. I get it. That's fine, right? I understand that. But what you cannot ignore, what you cannot, um, you know, not understand is the ability to get targeted traffic to whatever you need targeted traffic for at a price which, you know, we haven't seen since the glory days of Google pay-per-click in 2004, 2005, 2006. Mm. So that's – and, and a, cons a consequence of that, Google's not stupid. So all of a sudden they're starting to, uh, you know, uh, bring down – you know, cost picks, because so much of that was artificially inflated. You know, they didn't want to deal with smaller businesses. You know, typically the businesses that I'm dealing with are small. They're not, you know, they don't have $100,000 a month marketing spends. They might have $1,000 a month marketing spend. They may have $500 a month marketing spend. So it's, that to me was the huge issue, that there was such Google dominance there. But I've got to say, I think that's sorting itself out. So, you know, I see that as as opportunity and not something that, that I particularly want to change. I think, okay, there's one other thing. A lot of us came through the internet and came up through the entire desktop era. You know, I'm speaking to you right now on a desktop. Yeah. But if I was to calculate the number of hours a day that I'm reading stuff yeah, and if I, and particularly if I added the phrase "reading for pleasure" or, or "reading for information" or "consuming," let's not say reading, video, audio. Let's face it, YouTube just released the figures, right? As of last month, there are more people watching YouTube on mobile devices than there are desktops. Yeah, it's fascinating, that, isn't it? That trend's not going away, and I think for word practitioners of WordPress, this is a huge deal, right? Mm. This is a huge deal because you need to understand what percentage of that traffic because it's it may not be the responsive website is the only answer to this. You know, you've got to look at how people are consuming what they want in that uh, market. Let me give you a really crazy example. Uh, a client of mine sells clotheslines online. It does really well, actually. <laughs> wow. I mean, who wants to, well, who wants to go shopping for clotheslines? You yeah, want to no look one. it up, you want to deliver it, yeah. right? So it's, it's really cool. But it was interesting, you know, he's seen his business go from 100% desktop to now it's about 50-50. And early on, you know, he just had a responsive uh, site, which was a combination of WordPress, <laughs> Magento, etc. something mm -hmm. everybody listening to this would be very, you know, aware of that particular combination. Mm -hmm. And it looked pretty inverted commas, on a mobile device, but it didn't sell like mm. a desktop page does. Mm. So to me, that's a really interesting challenge. And, you know, and if you know how to use a hammer, then everything looks like a nail, right? That's the old yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something that we've all got to be really aware of is that, um, you know, where does the use of, where do we keep trying to make our hammer work and where is, is it, what's the job to be done? You know, one of the, my favourite questions of all time, which is from Clayton Christensen, um, fant uh, Innovator's Dilemma, people may have heard or not. I might have gone way too geeky just then. But, no, 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 that's good. But the, it's such a great thing to ask because I, you know, for a lot of websites, the job to be done is different when somebody's on a desktop 
compared to when somebody's on a mobile. So, mm. for example, let's say you've got a restaurant client. And please, you're not using Flash anymore, anybody. Really, are we? You know, the, so please not, because that used to drive me bananarama. Anyway, I digress because that does drive me bananarama. But think about it. If I'm looking at a restaurant on a desktop, I might be, you know, my job to be done, what's a cool place I can take my wife to, you know, next month? Or I might have heard of some new cool thing opening. Now, think about it. When I'm on my mobile looking for a restaurant, What's my job to be done? What, yeah. Highly likely, I'm actually trying to ring for a reservation. Yeah. I need to see if they're open. Yeah. I want to see what the menu is. It's different, right? The job to be done is different. Mm. And to me, that's something that I think we all need to think about really deeply is because sometimes responsive isn't enough. Like you need to think about this. And by the way, the iPad or the tablet form factor is different again, mm. right? It's a, it's different scenario. So, you know, thinking about where, you know, the people that you're trying to appeal to with that website, you've got to ask yourself, well, what is the job thing that, you know, I think we all need to, so if you want, so to, in answer to the question, mm. it would be, you know, asking what's the job to be done for this site? And remember that that answer is different depending on whether somebody's looking at a desktop, on a phone, who knows, in the future it's a watch or it could be anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great advice. And we see this time and time again with designers just giving us PSD files to turn into websites and that, you know, there's all the breakpoints for responsive and tablets and smartphones. And essentially, it's just either a three-column version or a two-column version or a one-column version of the same website. There's yeah. not much thought that's going into the actual user experience yeah. based on the device that they're using. Um Let's start talking a little bit about the kind of internet marketing space. And in the interest of complete transparency here, I need to kind of give people a little bit of a backstory about uh, um, our relationship and how we work together. So I first we're not going to talk about the gerbil incident, are we? No, we're not. No, we okay, promised we'd never talk about that. I was going to um, say, I have to hang up. <laughs> we, uh, I first discovered you through the 30-day challenge. Now, for those that don't know, just tell everyone briefly what the 30-day challenge was. Okay, well, and actually, it's uh, as we're talking, it's uh, it's actually going on for this year. But uh, the challenge was something that I started back in two thousand and five. Would you believe? And it was a it was a counter at the time. There was a lot of how to make money on the internet stuff, and typically it was how how you can make money on the internet is sell my stuff to other people to show them how to make money on the internet. Right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a lot. Of, um, there was a lot of, you know, you can make $15,000 a day, you can make $30,000 a day. You know, that was in those days. Today it's a million dollars a day and all that sort of thing. And those stories were true in a sense, but to me they went about it all wrong because I believe the most important dollar that you make in your business is the first one, right? Because yep. I don't think it's a business until somebody's actually given you a dollar out of their pocket. It's not a business. So I thought, well, what would happen? And I was reading at the time I bought uh, a book, actually, it's just over there. Um, it was about this amazing program, which is also going on right now in November, which is National Novel Writers Month. It's where people sit down for 30 days and write 1,625 words a day to knock out a 50,000-word novel in one month. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be interesting? What if we could get people to start on online business in 30 days and make a dollar? 
and let's do it for free. You know, it was totally free. There was no strings attached and all that sort of thing. We started that first year. I think we had 927 people sign up. And I think as of this year, we've had over 300,000 people. Uh, so it, it's – and it's something that we do once a year to – um, you know, as I say, there's no charge to it, and it's a and and it's wonderful the stories you hear back from people that it's it's because they've looked at this and they've studied this. It's it's gotten them somewhere, which is awesome to hear. Well, let me just tell you briefly. I I had seen the challenge a couple of years running and hadn't signed up for some reason. Um, probably my own, you know, self-limiting beliefs at the time, which I've subsequently got rid of. Uh, anyway, I did sign up for the challenge and I went through it diligently, and. Um, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do everything this bloke tells me to do, regardless of how ridiculous I think it is or how much I think this isn't going to work. And I did it. I did everything you told me to do. And I built a little uh, website called eBest Coffee Machine, which based oh, on my nice. you know, market research using Market yeah. Samurai back then. And yep. love coffee. And um, built a little website uh, selling coffee machines, affiliate coffee machines on, on Amazon. <clears throat> Got yeah. a little bit of traffic, didn't make any money from the site, but... Subsequently, sold the site on Flipper for sixty bucks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, made for me, made my first dollar as a yep. website owner, website marketer. Um, yep. Subsequently, then used all of that knowledge that I'd learned in the thirty day challenge to get myself a job lecturing in e business at a private college here in Melbourne, teaching mm. people in the music and arts industry how to use the internet to run a business. Then started a web design agency. Uh, built that for about three years, managed Jessica Watson, that crazy girl that sailed around the world, managed yeah. her whole digital strategy while she was at sea, yeah. all because of what I'd learned in the 30-day challenge, right? Wow. So thank you very much for, uh, for uh, everything you offered there. Then I subsequently, I think, stalked you for about four months, desperately trying to throw money at you for you to mentor me. And um, eventually nailed you to the wall and gave you some cash and you mentored me for six months. And what happened in that process was, I remember the first time I, I met you and Guru Bob over mm -hmm. at the, um, the cafe mm -hmm. Moody Ponds, mm -hmm. and yeah. you basically both kind of told me that I was kind of half pregnant in two different businesses and I really needed a focus and it was the absolute, uh, it was a game changer for me. And we've since met up again and, and since spoken yeah. about this, so you know the story, but for those listeners... You were the one that said to me, you were the one that basically laid out the plan on how to become a top 20 influencer and market leader in your space and, and kind of told me everything I should be doing and then kept me accountable every week for those six months. And if it wasn't for, the, if it wasn't for that time I spent with you, WP Elevation wouldn't exist and this here very podcast wouldn't exist. So <laughs> big credit and big kudos to you, my friend. Oh, thank now, you. Having said all of that, I do want to address the elephant in the room, which is this. Most people think internet marketers are wankers. Why is that? Because <laughs> a lot of them are. <laughs> no, well, I think, you know, if, if we go back to its deeper, deeper level, I think, you know, it's, you know, because people attach a, a certain negative experience to sales, I think is like if we really look at it, you know, the yeah, yeah. archetype, you know, used car salesman. And yeah. there's a lot of blowback. And again, this is where this tech and marketing world, like if you, you know, the traditional setup, you know, if you if you want to set up a dodgeball tournament in your, um, you know, in your company, you'd have a team of the IT and engineers and a team of the marketers, <laughs> right? Totally, totally. Right, because they do not get along. That's you know, right. Because the engineers are trying to deliver on promises marketing 
made or made and there's a constant there's that constant uh, battle yep. that, that occurs so I think that there, there's a lot of it there and I, and I think even you know stepping back it's it's you know fear of being sold to and it's not so much fear of being sold to it's fear of being looked to be made an idiot yeah is, yeah is what it, yes, uh, and we've yes, all felt yes, this right that's right that's you know? absolutely right I, I mean I had I had several conversations and I know she won't mind me saying this I had several conversations with my fiance at the time who is now my lovely wife yeah. And uh, who, by the way, in all hindsight, is a big fan of yours because of, <laughs> you know, she's seen me take action and get results. But, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't 50 bucks I gave you. We, we, you know, no. it was it was four <laughs> figures. And yes. uh, it was, and it came out of my oh, pocket. It wasn't coming out yeah. of the business bank account. Yeah. And she's like, who is this bloke? And how much money do you want to give him? And I'm like, yeah. just trust me on this. And for me, it was, this has to work. Otherwise, I'm going to look like an idiot. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's often the way, you know. That is uh, often the way that, that that people get over this. But but it's, I think, you know, if you look at the way the world has evolved, in, in that, you know, traditional marketing, in a sense, is really undergoing a huge change because of this. And WordPress is actually a big fundamental part of this. Is that it used to be that you would market by demographic, right? You would okay, everybody's watching Hey Dad. Uh, that's an Australian show for a uh, rather Un- interesting Australian Un- show. Unfortunate as example. Turns, as, as it turns out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I picked that one. Um, but you would advertise to that demographic, right? And, and you had no idea how effective or not that advertising was and, and all that sort of thing. But like I said, the thing that keeps me up at night is how do I get attention to the cool stuff? And frankly, the world is littered with people who have created great things but have had this belief that, well, it's so great, it will just do the marketing job itself, mm. right? It doesn't happen. It does, And the mm. world is full of examples of products that are not as good as the best thing on the market but because they're marketed way better, yeah, are you know uh, are the leaders in that market, and that's just the and you can sit there and tut tut all you like about it mm. and be broke, or you can acknowledge that fact. and And I think what's exciting about this day and age, and I think this is a check and balance, is that yes, okay, you can have a lot of uh, sleazeball online marketer types, and they certainly exist, but they've got one shot in their barrel. Because of the day, the days of social media mm. and everything, you know, if you start sprouting rubbish here, you've got an entire WordPress community that will nail you to the wall, yep. right, very quickly. And your name will be ruined because anytime somebody wants to hire you, they're going to Google you, they're going to Facebook you. And, you know, if they see a lot of bad, you know, everybody's going to have a, you stick your head above the parapet, somebody's going to have a troll and a bad thing. That's just another factor of online life. Mm. However, if there's a, you know, if all of a sudden you scam people, that's going to be live and digital and online everywhere. You know, yeah. Your reputation is stuffed. Yep. So to me, I think there's a wonderful checks and balances now um, starting to exist. Mm. Whereas, you know, as I say, if you're going to burn, you, you might burn people once, but it'll be once because, you know, yeah. That will follow you forever now. That's right. You can't afford to do it. That's right. I've had this argument so many times with so many people over the years about the the whole internet marketing space. Excuse me. I just spent two weeks ago, I just spent a weekend in San Diego with Frank Kern and Ryan Dice and Andy Jenkins um, at a live event, which blew my freaking mind. Um, I mean, Ryan Dice is just, uh, and Frank was just amazing to meet Frank and, and, um, and to experience him in the flesh. He says hello, by the way. Um, And, I think for me, one of the things for a long time was 
Um, I saw a lot of these people having this success and, you know, filling these rooms and having these amazing live events and selling out these product launches and, you know, making millions of dollars in a short space of time. And I kind of thought, I, I actually, in hindsight, have reconciled the fact that I didn't believe I was capable of producing a quality product and having that kind of success. And so I think that's really what prevented me for a long time in engaging and getting help from successful internet marketers. And I kind of bought into that, oh, they're all full of shit kind of mantra for a while until I well, got out of my- because you don't, you protect yourself from trying anything in that case. You yeah, know? that's right. And it's it's course, self-preservation, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It, it absolutely is because, you know, fear of failure is is a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Um, it, and, and everybody has it. We all have it. And uh, it uses the same part of, this is not woo-woo stuff. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of the woo-woo. Uh, I love woo-woo. This is, this is scientific, right? The, yeah, yeah. You know, that limbric part of your brain, which was to protect you against the saber-toothed tiger right, unfortunately man. now right. a failed traffic experiment has the same <laughs> limbic effect on your brain as a saber-toothed tiger coming out right which yeah. doesn't make it and when you shine a light on it it really holds up but yeah. it's a big big deal the other thing i think troy that people don't see the sort of challenge is you don't see the two or three years of hard work that these lads have put in yeah, yeah. to get to that Point. That is a, an end result of a lot of failed experiments, failed tests, stuff that didn't work, launches that didn't work. All those guys have got launches that didn't work. I've had stacks of launches that didn't work. Most things that we do don't work. Yeah. You know, that's the reality of it. And and I think that's where I love the whole lean startup um sort of approach to things, which is, you know, how can we test this safely? How can we do an experiment which takes a lot of the risk out of it and we can test what's our minimum viable product here that we can create to see if there's some response, to see if there is that. Because at the end of the day, everybody should be, you know, I firmly believe that the biggest skill that anybody can have is a skill of being able to educate people and enthuse them about what you're doing. Because if you don't, you're staffed is the technical phrase, I believe. <laughs> because you know, there's so many other cool things. You know, you just open look at Kickstarter. There was this cool speaker that you know whacks onto your wall and and it connects to your iPhone and you can stick your iPhone to it. And that's a if no Nobody's heard of it. He sees it, then it's going to die on the vine, mm. regardless of how good it is. So um, I'm heartened by the fact that, you know, anybody who's doing anything and even getting more clients for your WordPress consultancy is a fact. But I think in this day and age, there are so many ways and, you know, your study of influence is, is such a crucial one where there are so many ways by contributing to your market and helping you are doing marketing. You know, we can trick people into doing this horrible, dirty sales and marketing stuff because ultimately the only stuff that really works in this day and age is content and contribution. Yeah. Contributing content to the marketplace and, and targeting that, you know, single target market that you really want to focus on. Yeah. Uh, because too often, you know, I 
we'll hear people say, oh, well, we, you know, everybody's my potential client. I don't know how to market to everybody. That's right. I don't have millions of dollars to spray up against a wall on TV and, and outdoor billboards like the, you know, car manufacturers. Yeah. I don't access that to that type of money. Oh, if you are listening to this and you do have uh, that type of money, call me. <laughs> uh, but that's, to me, that is, uh, is a big, big, big issue. And it's everybody's job. You know, everybody's job in a business now is sales and marketing because every time we have an interaction with a client, whether it be a customer service call, whether it be a error bug report, whether it be, you know, a traditional presentation in their boardroom or uh, they're at a cocktail party, every interaction that you have with your tribe is, I'm sorry to tell you, marketing. Mm. And that doesn't mean you're and, – and he's and he's where it's – Here's where that problem hits directly because I think what then people make the next assumption on that is that they think, oh, so I'm doing these things and it should all be about me, right? Yeah. So I should be now selling you about my new thing or my new tool. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I'm saying quite the opposite. How can you help that person that you're speaking to on that service call to really, really satisfy them and, by the way, let the right people know in your organisation that it might be a feature that could potentially come up or when they're putting in a licence upgrade. Um, how can you make that interaction better for somebody? If you're at a networking event where your customers are at, it's not about you telling them how good you are and how good your next thing is. It's an opportunity for you to listen. Where, where are the squeaky you know, wheels here in this product? What, are the th what can we be doing better? Mm. How can we help? Those interactions, I think, are vital. And guess what? In today's day and age, that's the best marketing I think you can possibly fundamentally do. Mm, absolutely. And you mentioned something, you know, that every interaction is marketing and people get scared of that and think, well, you know, then I'm just marketing all the time. Dan Kennedy says this great, this great thing. Somebody kind of had a go at him once and said, you know, everything you do is so strategic and so deliberate. And he said, yes, and? <laughs> like, of course it's strategic and deliberate. And if you're not, and I, I like that... That notion that if you're not, I've, I mean, I've, you're preaching the converted, I believe, if you're not marketing at every possible interaction, then you're wasting opportunities to work out how you can better add value to your tribe. And that really is what it's about. And one of the things that I've learned over the last couple of years is it's not about revenue, it's about how to add value. Total, and, you know, Apple won't sell 70 million iPhones this quarter because they aren't strategic and deliberate. They just, they just don't kick back and go, wow. You know, every element of that thing and you'll hear johnny ive you know the the you know the most fettered designer alive right now um talk about you know it's how it make how product makes somebody feel is the best marketing you can possibly have as long as that's mm. a positive emotion right mm. um and that's where it starts it starts that how your website makes somebody feel is crucial in this day are they having a happy experience mm. are they is it making them feel good mm. or is it making them feel frustrated? Mm. That's a huge deal. Mm. Uh, what are those interaction points and are they? how are they making somebody feel? That is deliberate. I'm sorry. That is deliberate and that is strategic. I used to think, oh, yeah, I'm an outside-the-box creative thinker. I don't want to, you know, do these processes and frameworks and things. You know, I want to take it to the man. I was also very broke during those years. <laughs> You know, it's 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 the most create and it, and this is, you know, read the lives of the most creative people on the planet. You'll yeah. also be reading 
at most disciplined people on the planet. Yeah. In other words, they, the, and the discipline comes to their approach to the art. You know, Picasso had certain hours every single day and he was producing every single day. Mm. You know, as Steve Jobs said, real artists ship, mm. right? That's so right. it's, and, you know, uh, Sarah McLaughlin, you know, she, the great Canadian singer, every single day, wherever she is, she hits a tape re- recorder and for 30 minutes she's trying out new hooks, new things that's, you know, most of the stuff in that session, maybe mm. a week will do nothing, but then one thing will become a hook, which will become a new song. Yeah. Though, you know, and when you look at the way they approach their practice, they approach it as professionals. Whereas I see a lot of people in online businesses being pretty much like amateurs, you know, you use mm. the golf analogy. You know, I rock it, you know, I take the golf uh, you know, my golf bag out of my boot where it's sat since last weekend, <laughs> right, do a couple of, do a couple of warm-up strokes and then hit off at the first tee. And I wonder why often that goes off to the right at 90 <laughs> degrees and shank it because I'm an amateur, right? Yeah. Professional practices every day. That's right. And do I improve? No, I don't because I don't practice at all. I'm not doing a practice. I'm doing – I'm an amateur. I'm just doing it for a couple of hours here or there. Yeah. And the professional sits down, gets their ass in the seat and does what they do and, and – The fascinating thing to me, Troy, and we've discussed this, right, is people have this vision of them sitting down for eight hours at a day. Stephen King doesn't sit down for eight hours writing a novel every day. Mm. You can't do it. Mm. You know, I think he spends two or three hours, you know, and he has his limit. He he wants to hit 1,500 words, Mm. then he stops. Mm. You know, and and if it takes him three hours to hit 1,500 words, it takes him three hours. If it takes him an hour and a half, it takes him an hour and a half. He stops. They have routines and rituals. And this is where I think there's this there's this real disconnect of people who are not being deliberate and strategic. You're letting yourself down because, you know, ultimately, guess what? Somebody's going to come into that market who is deliberate and who is strategic and they're going to have your lunch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, let's talk about what, one of the most common questions I get all the time about online marketing you started out with nothing, right? You you didn't you didn't wake up one morning and all of a sudden you had an Aweber account with 150,000 subscribers in your list. And this is one of the questions we get all the time is, well, we don't have a big audience and you know all these all the big successful guys all have their own affiliate programs and JV partner yeah, programs. Yeah. How do you like first of all, not how do you build a list because that's that's the question's been answered a million times, but how do you penetrate a market or how do you penetrate a network where there is already lots of traffic and lots of traction if you if you're coming with nothing yeah yeah and and this you know this is you know a fascinating thing and now i've seen it many many times and in fact troy you just outlined it yourself when you were talking about what you did before and it's this this concept of influences for a start every market that you're interested to go and you have to be you know in the old days inverted commas, last century, (laughs) you could actually be involved in markets that you didn't care that much about because you could literally get traffic to them, that you could go through the processes. You didn't have to be that attached. In this day and age, you can't because the marketing is not done through the market anymore. It's done through individuals, Mm. which means every single market on the planet, and I don't care whether you're talking WordPress, paint stool restoration or pottery valuation, three legitimate markets, there are influences, what we call the influences in each of that market. There are, there are 20 or so people who are the doyens of that market. They might be journalists in writing it. They might be magazine publishers. They could be a very 
uh, boisterous forum poster. But they are influencers, right? They have often a blog, right? The most mm-hmm. popular blog in that market is a real influencer. Mm. They may have written a book on the subject, all of these things. But the thing is, you know, people say, well, I don't know really. I love this market. I'm passionate about it, but I really don't know anything about it. Well, the good news for you is the formula for becoming an influencer is very simple. It is content times consistency. Mm-hmm. It's literally so it's you publishing content that helps people in that marketplace. And it could be YouTube videos, it could be uh, um, you know, it could be PDFs, it could be forum commentary, it could be a blog, it could be a combination of all of those things, it could be a Facebook page. Who knows? It's where your market is at. You have to go to the mountain. Okay. So yeah. but and the and the first part of it, and the biggest mistake people make is they go in there all guns blazing. And they try to be somebody they're not. You're just starting out. Mm. Don't don't worry about that. People think that's terrible. Oh, I'm not an expert. Nobody was an expert in the market when they started out. In the first instance, you want to be there observing. You want to be there. I, I talk about you know you're being there to serve. Mm-hmm. The only two things you should be commenting on are to thank somebody for a cool article that they've done. And fortunately, with tools like Twitter now, it's never been easier to interact with the top twenty influencers in in your market. And if it's been a good article, and tell them specifically, don't just have an oh, gee, that was a cool market. Uh, but the other thing, of course, is help, serve. And often it can be things that are completely unrelated to the topic that you're interested in. You know, I can't tell you the number of times, you know, I've mentioned that I'm going to some place and somebody will pipe up from Twitter and say, oh, you've got to check out this restaurant. Or I went to uh, Cologne, Germany Um last year and i had some challengers who were from from there say oh you've got to go to this pub you've got to go to this pub it was fantastic right and i remember that i remember that that contribution is every bit as important to me maybe more so mm. than if they'd sent me an article of about like an interesting link or something like that right mm. so that to me that sense of contribution and then it's slowly you know it takes seven years and many hundreds of thousands of dollars in the united states for somebody to become a doctor Mm. Okay, so here's a deal. For a year of <laughs> just being involved in the market, spending half an hour to an hour a day creating content, starting do, doing something like a podcast or a blog or whatever resonates in your market, that's and not pay, you don't really have to pay any money these mm. days to do it. Most of these tools are free, a um, little bit of time and energy that you need to do. But that's where how you dip your toe in the water. You know, you start helping people, and it and people, I see it all the time in incredibly established markets. In twelve months' time, people have gone from nobody to one of those top twenty influencers. Mm. And and the way you and people often ask me, well, how do you know if you're a top twenty influencer? Pretty simple, actually. It, you ask yourself: Do a majority of the people that I noted down who are influencers in my market do they read slash watch slash look at my stuff? If the answer is yes, guess what? You're a top 20 influencer. Yeah. If the answer is no, you're not. You're not. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. I just got to tell you, it's great advice. It's the, it's the whole reason this podcast exists because uh, there are many more reasons why this podcast exists now. But originally I started out, I made a list, a spreadsheet of about 50 of the top kind of what I thought were influencers in the WordPress space because everyone in the WordPress space is pretty visible online and there are lots of yeah. influencers and it's a global market. And mm-hmm. I just strategically, one by one, went through and, and tried to get each of them on the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. I also ask everyone on the podcast who they want me to interview, which rapidly expands your network. And yeah. I now turn up to 
functions in Chicago, like WordCamp Chicago. Yeah. And a guy comes up to me and he's a little bit nervous and I can tell and he, he knows me from the podcast and he introduces himself and I didn't catch his name and he's nervous to meet me and it turns out he's the guy that designed the new user interface for the new Rainmaker platform from Brian Clark at Copyblogger, right? Yeah. When I found out who he was, I was like, oh, my God, I, I'm t in total awe of this guy's work, and he yeah. was nervous to meet me just because I host a podcast. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. People forget the value of questions and good questions. You know, it's there, there are two things I often say. You know, if you've had a chronic back problem and you go to a, a new Brand new chiropractor. You've never met them before, um, but you you know you tossed in your prior one because you'd been there for many sessions and nothing had happened. And you walk into that office, and this person does some form of manipulation, and boom, you're cured, right? And you you haven't felt this good in two years, and then the next day you find out you were the first ever client that person ever had. Do you care? <laughs> or are you thrilled that you can you don't have back pain anymore? Exactly. Right. That that's point one. You know, it's about <laughs> delivery rather than experience. Oh, that's that's, great. that's that, that that is point one. Point two, though, is your beginner status actually has huge advantage because a lot of people who are influencers in the market have been there a long time and they yeah. forget what it was like to be a beginner. Yeah. You know, I see this all the time, and by asking honest beginner questions and, and the value you bring is good questions mm. like you've asked some fantastic questions mm. and and those questions there's immense power in those mm. people should be jotting them down right mm. i'm going to pinch a couple that you've said today <laughs> but that's the thing right this is what works so so well because it's then you're asking and people appreciate the fact that you brought that smart person to the table. As I say, what's everyone's number one problem? Time. Mm -hmm. So if you are becoming a bit of a tastemaker and bringing stuff to the attention of people, mm -hmm. that's every bit as valuable as somebody who has been a practitioner in that particular market for 60 years. Yeah. Right? Because you're doing your role. The, where, get, where people get into trouble is that they either try to pretend there's something they're not, they try to claim expertise when they're not, and that's so stupid. Yep. Legal, mostly, and very, but very stupid. Um, <laughs> whereas you should revel in the fact that you're a beginner in the marketplace. You should, you know, you should wrap yourself in the cape of being a beginner because often that gives you access and insights that somebody who's had the blinkers of experience mm. uh, on. Because at the end of the day, what are you looking for? You're looking for problems for people. You want to solve problems for people in your market. Mm. That's it. That's it. People pay money for you to solve problems. Problems, that's right. It's funny, you know, because you look at just about every single transaction we make in our life, whether it's a haircut, whether it's buying food, whether it's putting petrol in the car, whether it's getting a plumber to fix a toilet, whether it's to buy a new house, whatever it is, we are spending money to solve a problem. It's essentially... Yeah. What it boils down to, and and even on the like people say, well, what about fun stuff that that we do? And yes, that's that's it. But even with fun, we mentioned golf before. Yeah. You know, you know, if you're constantly shanking it off the first tee like I am, mm. and you see somebody that's got this great new video which shows you how to make sure you guarantee hit off straight every time, I'm going to go, hmm, yeah. I might be interested in that. Yeah, absolutely. Sign me up because, and that's a positive. It's an inverted commas a positive problem, yeah. right? Yeah. And. And where it's po where people look at a positive problem, you know, because problem is such a has a connotation about it. Hmm. You know, when it's positive stuff, that's where you've got to look at about you know, is it a need or is it a want? 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because there are positive things that people do that are needs. Like if you, I don't know, I know nothing about yoga, nothing. Right. Okay. But do you need a yoga mat to do yoga? I think you do, right? Yeah, it's That's it's, it's easier. It's easier with one, yes. <laughs> it's much, yeah, it probably hurts without yeah. it, right? Yes. Yeah. But I don't know, do you need to go to one of those hot, I drive past these hot yoga studios. Do you yeah. need, or is that a want? Or is yeah. that, an, do you see what I mean? So yeah. you have to think about when your products like that, you have to spend a lot of time, under, you know, say why this thing, which is an optional want, mm. um, is better. Like I might, this microphone is great mm. now, but there's fancier microphone that I might need it. But if the audio quality of this is rubbish, all of a sudden it becomes a need. Do you see where I'm yeah, going Yeah, yeah, I understand, that? yeah. All right, uh, let's quickly do the lightning round. WP Elevation, as you know, is a business accelerator program for WordPress consultants to build a successful business, so you should join. Uh, so what I'm going to do now is ask Ed, did you like my um, very professional plug there for the program? It was slick, wasn't it? I'm going to what ask. Was it called again? Sorry, I missed it. <laughs> WP Elevation. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to one word. Uh, no, it's two words. That's two but, words. Uh, what's the URL? WPElevation.com. Very good. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for those leading questions, Ed. Yes, uh, series of quick questions about being a freelancer or a consultant. What's the okay. number, which of course you started out as a web oh, consultant. Totally. Right. Absolutely. Yes, big time. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? That they must spend a percentage of their time each day marketing for their next clients. I think the biggest problem in today is this feast famine when you've got lots Jobs, you're not looking for the next job. Yep. And all of a sudden you discover you haven't got jobs and then boom, all of a sudden then you're in this bottom of the sine wave, right? You're in this bottom yep. of the trough. And then you get more clients, you're up, you're busy, busy, busy. And then all of a sudden those clients finish and then you boom, you're back here. So my advice is to spend half an hour of each day mm -hmm. or, you know, chunk it up, but never forget that you should always spend a bit of each day thinking about where your next job is coming from. Yep, that's the advice you gave me two and a half years ago. Uh, what's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Seminars. Ah, uh, yeah. In the in the old days, it was it was seminars. I would sell. I hated cold calling. I hated it. Hate, hate, hate. Yeah. And who, who loves cold calling? I, I there are some very sick individuals that do <laughs> like cold, cold calling. Sociopaths, I believe. Um, but I hated it. And so I, what I would do, and it, it, the modern day equivalent is what we're doing now. Now, in the old days, what I would do is I would hold a seminar explaining this cool new web technique or this new web property, mm -hmm. and all my clients and other clients would come, and we'd show, and we'd have the person come out. Maybe like it might be a person who created this new WordPress plugin to mm -hmm. put it in a modern ex example. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, what's fantastic in this modern day and age, you can do a webinar on your computer, right? You yeah. can do one of these things. So, so to me, that education. Education as a check move and as a, as a marketing exercise, I think is incredibly uh, powerful. So that, that would be my number one thing. Perfect. And the good thing about doing all this online is, of course, you and I both right now are not wearing any pants and nobody knows any, no one's none the wiser. No, which exactly. Is, which is great. How do you stop competing on price? Uh, by never doing it. Ah, yes. Is, 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 because, it's pretty and, simple, isn't it, really? <laughs> it, it, seriously. And, and if you are competing on price, it means the rest of your marketing is terrible. Yeah. Um, and I can't tell you how many people start knocking price down before anybody's even asked them to do so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
the col, no, the colliery, you know the fancy word I'm trying to say, which uh, I can't yeah. pronounce. Yeah, this <laughs> is this. Please don't give people itemized packages lists of what you do, right? And you do X dollars for this and X dollars for that. You provide a package. Yep. Right. You are deliver. If you're a consultant or a freelancer, you deliver a package for a result. Mm-hmm. And so the package price is compared to the result. And actually spending a little bit of time speaking with people to understand the understand the value of your work that you're delivering to people, that changes that conversation. Absolutely. Because if you're going to save people $200,000 this year, legitimately, they've told you that that's going to be the case, hmm. then the value to that, McKinsey's um, call this value building. They're the big, big, fancy consulting firm. Hmm. And they... They absolutely revolutionise this. They don't bill by hours. Mm. They don't bill by any of this stuff. They bill by 10% of what we're going to save you. Mm. And if we're going to save you $200,000, well, that's a $20,000 gig, mm. even if it's taken you a day to do. That's right. Um, you know, Because you're providing that value. And where people, they forget that. They forget that you're providing a package to, a, to deliver a solution which resolves a problem. Problem. That they're having exactly right. So, and if you do that, if you focus on and by understanding the problem, then you will not compete on price because you're providing a solution to a problem, and you don't lower yourself to that. You know, have the values and the standards not to compete on price. And if you think about who the leaders are in each market, um, I don't care whether it's cars. You know, I think VW is the most profitable uh, car manufacturer as right. it sits at the moment. They're not the cheapest mm. by any stretch of the imagination, mm. but they provide value. Apple now has 80, it's gone up, 83% of all the mobile hardware profits on the planet. 83% of the money is being made, but they sell 12% right. of the actual mobile phones. Right, they let everybody else deal with all that other stuff. You don't have enough time. You want to get good gigs. You know, you want to think about the best clients, the people that you can help them. You know, and and focus on those people. And mm. by not stressing about money because they're you know trying to knock you down. And keep in mind, remember that the first defense of the uninformed potential client mm-hmm. is to haggle price. Correct. Whereas if you've Provide, delivered such an amazing solution, they'll be embarrassed to haggle on price. That's right. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Right? Anyone would have thought I sent you that... the script in advance. <laughs> I'm not, oh, it's just here. Page I'm not paying Ed to say this, by the way. <laughs> oh, this is got, this that's, is just this has just become that, an Ed Dale masterclass. I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I should charge for this podcast, <laughs> but I won't. But if I do, I'll 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 give you an affiliate commission. <laughs> um, any tips on writing better proposals? Uh, again, make it solutions based, and remember yeah. that nobody reads them. <laughs> um, you know, it's That's it's so true. it's no it, it, seriously. You what you need to spend all your time on is the solution on the first page. Yeah. Okay. Because that's that's what people are going to going to read, and you know I'm a I'm a huge huge fan of avoiding doing a proposal at pretty much all costs. <laughs> yep. Same. Um, and and trying to do that by understanding, you know, I want to spend all my time that if I've got valuable time with a prospective client, I'm using all of that time to understand their, their, their needs. What are their problems? What are their pain points? Mm. I do not want to talk about me at all, mm. ever, yep. in that 
anytime I've got face on face or yep. Skype on Skype, you're not spending any of that time on you. Yep. It's got to be on. And then then it's a way of, of of sending doing a proposal in that way. And then it's a packet. It's never it's one dollar figure. It's yep. never broken down. Yep. Ever. This is the thing. Um, in my uh, when I was getting fancy pants with consulting, the only time what I used to do is offer two different levels of pricing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to offer a, a slightly lower price with a percentage of money that I made them. Um, or a bigger price, but no percentage cut. Yeah, um, and and that's that's the way I would do it. Um, you know, you need to get to a certain level of confidence to do of course, that. But yeah. that's a, but that's 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 what you can do. Yeah. Um, and so, but still, my advice is, you know, with a proposal, you know, people think thick is important. Mm. Um, you know, you have to, have to to show that you've that you've done something. And I'm telling you that. If a client is insisting on a thick, not oh, huge advice, just made me think of it. Book recommendation. Oh, good. And I know this is one of your favourites. Uh, Pitch anything. Oh yes. By Clav. We love it. Right. Yep. Every single person who finds themselves pitching for business, be it uh, WordPress consulting, be it freelancing, you need to read this book. Absolutely. It is. It is. Uh, Astounding! It is. I wish I, if I had this book twenty years ago. I would have devastated. Right? It, it would have been unfair. Yeah. Uh, it's a magnificent book. Pitch anything by Oren Claff, and it it talks about how you should be positioning yourself to the client. That's so important. You know, they should be having an experience. When you go into an Apple store, you expect a certain experience. Mm. You're the way you know it's part of your business, and uh, Dean Jackson calls this the before unit. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're selling before you have ever had a word to say with a potential prospect or client. The way you interact with people, prior, it shows the level of professionalism before they've even signed up. Right mm-hmm. to, to to put you on the spot, Troy. It was fantastic. You know, I do a lot of podcasts, and usually it's hey, turn up here at this time. <laughs> Troy had me on a series of emails reminding me over the next couple and say, oh, we're going to be asking you about this. Oh, we're going to be talking about this. And this is how we do this. Make sure you log on here. That was fantastic. And if I was doing work with Troy, I'd be going, wow, if that's the diligence, that's all, that's selling me, Troy, at an emotional level way before we've even discussed anything that, that we have to say. Yeah. Um, any pitch that goes on for in t- more than 20 minutes is a complete and utter waste of time. Yep. <laughs> it's insane. It's it's stupid. Um, and, yeah, it's it's the way you do present yourself. And and so frameworks and shortcuts are awesome and pitch anything is, is a big one. The way that you pitch your proposal is a big one. Ultimately, you want to be... Wouldn't it be awesome world? Like think about you asked me about mag- ma- waving the magic wand. Think about it from everybody listening to this. If you could wave your magic wand, the experience would be that people are actually auditioning to you to become your client. Correct. That's the ultimate. Yep. That's the that's where you want to be. That's the ultimate. Now, are we going to get there straight away? Of course not. Of course not. But that's the ultimate. And guess what? You can design that part of your business. Yeah. You can design the interactions. You when somebody when you get that initial response, you can design, and you've got so many amazing tools with MailChimp, with webinars, with uh, Woo, all these different things which allow you to have this incredibly professional transaction 
action doesn't take a lot of your time. Mm. It's all step by step. But remember, your step by step that you've seen a hundred times is the first time that that person has seen it, yeah. and they're going to be blown away. You can put a process, you know, just like you know how to create a WordPress plugin, or you know how to put that WordPress thing to, and you've got a really solid process for getting your clients up to date. You should dedicate as much time mm -hmm. to developing processes from that very first interaction that you have with a client. Because if you do that, you'll set yourself apart and the price question yep. will become a non-issue. Completely irrelevant. I absolutely agree. And and thank you for putting me on a pitch anything because I read Oren's book and, and subsequently reached out to him and he has actually since then been in WP Elevation to teach our members about oh, wow. the pitch anything yeah, framework. Yeah, we've connected and he's a fabulous guy and really mm -hmm. generous with his time. Um, and so this is just this is again this is just an absolute consulting masterclass. This is fantastic. Um, uh, this is supposed to be a lightning round, but anyway, uh, favorite favorite tool or system for CRM? What do you use to manage your customer relationships? Uh, we're using Infusionsoft uh -huh. uh, at the moment. Is is what we are using. Yep. Um, we're very late to the Infusionsoft party. We're in that sweet spot where Infusionsoft is fabulous. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it starts to become a bit of an issue when you're talking about massive client bases and class. You sort of have to move to another sort of level of solution there. But we're not in that. Mm. And you know, the campaign management and mm. the way you can strategically plan, talk about customer interaction funnels. Right. Yeah. You can go into I love how you can go into Infusionsoft. Not nothing about what you're doing, and you can like a flowchart, right? Yep. You can create yep. these customer interactions, and then I can hand that over to somebody who actually knows what they're doing yeah. to create that. And I know, okay, I need to write this email. I need to. Get, I love that yeah. stuff. So it's good, isn't it? Um, I, I really think when you hit that certain sweet spot where it makes economic sense, I, yep. I love it. Yeah, same. We're big fans. We just moved to it about four months ago, and I'm loving it. Uh, what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? <laughs> never have them do anything <laughs> that is the best bit of advice ever never have them do anything that's right because they're not because they're not equipped to are they they don't I have am the deadly, i am deadly see people think i'm joking yeah, yeah the only thing that they should be doing is signing the, the check. check and that's even right. then it would be much better if you worked out a direct debit mm -hmm. form and slightly <laughs> slip that in front of them right mm -hmm. to pay you that's the only yeah. because any time you're doing a consultancy or practice with a client yeah. and you're asking them to do something, yeah. guess what? You're yeah. stuffed. That's right. Because all of a sudden, it'll break. You know, how many people have quit contracts, not because you were doing bad work, yeah. but because they couldn't deliver? Because all of a sudden, it becomes like they're back at school and they have to get their physics assignment in. Yeah. Oh, need content for the website. Yeah. Need photos, right? And, the, and they'll say to you, oh, yeah, okay, we'll do that for you. Yeah. Slap them. <laughs> no, you won't. You're that's, lying. That's you won't. Right. That's why I'm here. That's right. And the good news for you is the, the amazing outsourcing, Elance, Fiverr economy, which you know about, which hopefully they don't, yep. allows you to – there should not be – I'm not – I am not kidding. I agree. The moment you ask a client to do anything, you failed in your yep. consultancy. I agree. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Because so, the reality is they're not equipped to make those – they haven't got the skill set to do that. They're not equipped. That's why they're paying you. Um, yeah, I used to be very – sorry, I know this is ruining the lightning round. But I've got to say, you know, I had a, a client and uh, they were a wedding photographer, great wedding photographer, and they started suggesting, um, you know, things that I should be doing for their website. And I said, oh, where's your um, next wedding? 
uh, this weekend, and they said, "Oh yeah, no, we're doing a shoot. Fantastic! I'll be there to. I'll do. I'll do the wedding. I'll be taking the photography this week. Would you? Would you let me take the photos for your wedding this week? That's right. No, I, I've seen some of your photography. Here. There's no way you're taking photos of the wedding. <laughs> then why the hell yeah. are you making suggestions for me? You hired me because of my expertise here. That's right. We've got to be like that. You've. If you're not in a position where you can't fire clients, where you can't. Um, expect a certain level of engagement and mm. diligence mm. and keep them to that, mm-hmm. you're their bitch. That's oh, right. sorry. No, that's right. You're absolutely right. It's true. Um, you're, you're their slave. That's right. And you can't be that, right? You can't. And, and, I, and, it, and you know, pox on your house if you're crappy because if you're crappy and you try to be acting that way, guess what? You're, yeah. you're broke. That's right. You're, exactly. you're coding. You know, you're, you're off. Yeah. Um, you're on food stamps. It's, that's <laughs> not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about arrogance for the sake of arrogance. I'm talking about respect your abilities yeah. and your ability to deliver a solution. Totally. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the subtitle of this episode, Don't Be Your Client's Bitch. Um, any ideas for getting referrals from your existing customers? Well, two things. And again, uh, the great Dean Jackson, I think, talks about the after unit uh-huh. because your consultancy isn't done after you deliver the product. What? Uh, no, <laughs> it's not. Not if you, not if, most, oh, by the way, most people it is done actually and that's <laughs> it. They never think about their client again. Yeah. That is insane because you should have a post-follow-up process, which again, you can automate. Yes. That helps because the whole key to referrals is that two, there has to be two conditions in place. One, your client has to be speaking to somebody uh, that in some context about the problem that, that you just solved for them mm. and they have to remember to mention you. Mm. Right? That's the key, mm. right? To, and let's face it, referrals in this day and age are manna from heaven. They are the best ways for you to get clients. Mm. And so do a fabulous job is one thing, right? But just doing a fabulous job doesn't cut it. You need you need to have them on some sort of cycle. You know, put them on a list where you collate some cool links every week or, you know, not selling stuff. I'm not saying, you know, pummel them with new offers or anything like that. Quite mm. the opposite. Mm. What can help them? You know, they might be a, I don't know, make it up, a golfing manufacturer. I've got golfing mm-hmm. on the brain today. Mm-hmm. So, and, then, and you've just done this golfing manufacturer's website. You might come across an article about a new manufacturing process about this new, uh, you know, out, upstart golf manufacturer in China is doing. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. but rip it out. Mm-hmm. In the mail and say, "Oh, look! I was thinking I, when I read this, I was thinking of you." Just pop it in the mail. That sort of stuff. That that contact post sale is what reminds people to do that. And it's not a creepy way. Mm. It's in a way because for to get a referral, you have to be somewhere in that person's consciousness. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, final question in the uh, lightning round: What's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? Uh, contribute. I think yep. is is your contributions are the thing that differentiate by being a giver into your market by putting something into your market you're instantly standing out from 95% of everybody else who's participating in that market mm. by putting a piece of content into the world that's 
start making flat. Now here's the here's the bad news. I have no idea which piece of content of mine is good and which is bad. Uh, it's a bit like starting a snowball, right? You never know which snowball is going to take and actually start building up. Most mm. of them actually blow apart as yeah. soon as you start rolling them down the hill, right? Yeah, that is a bit like your content that you're creating. You never. I I'm amazed constantly at what goes viral that I've written. Yeah, uh, and things that I think, oh, this is going to be smash. Yeah. Oh God, wisdom that yeah. I have to live in this piece. Yeah. It's immense and nothing. Crickets. Yeah. Crickets. Yeah. It's, yeah, but that's not the point. The point is that you, that you are constantly putting into that market yep. and that is what sets you apart and that's how you differentiate uh, yourself. And what's cool about that is by doing that and interacting in your market, you'll notice problems and challenges and you'll have an insight into those problems or challenges, which is truly unique. Mm-hmm. And that is where – but those insights only come mm. when you're neck deep in the market, when mm. you are positively in the market. Those insights never come from you you know, casually observing the mm. market. Mm. It's only when you get neck deep being in the market that those things happen. Yeah, I love it. Uh, this has been epic. I seriously could talk about this for hours, but I'm fully respecting of your time and our listeners' time. Hey, Ed, what is the future for Ed Dale and Madcasting? Where do you think you're going to be in 12 months' time? I'm hoping to be a professional Hearthstone card player. Wow, excellent. I have no idea what that even is. What's Hearthstone? I've already scheduled in piano bar playing for my... Uh... <laughs> between the ages of 50 and 60. Beautiful. Uh, no, Hearthstone is this awesome trading card game. Ah. And it's actually funny you joke about this, but here's a whole online, you know, I don't know if you people, again, this is going off topic, but Twitch, right, is this service that kids and adults are broadcasting their online games. And I know you hear, I know people are saying, why would people sit there and watch this? They just had the Hearthstone professional tournament. By the way, $200,000 prize purse this past weekend. Wow. They had over 200,000 people pay to watch the final. Esports, it's a whole new category. That's why I love the world. It's so fascinating. Wow. So this is, this is Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft, yeah, right? This is, yep, that's right, I've just found it. Game. No worries. Right, yeah. I'll stick a link in the show notes. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, this yes, is, that's right. And Ted Legend's gra- my name if you're on there, if you want to if you want to uh, track me down. Is that right? And and great tweetable <laughs> quote from this episode, Ed Dale says, that's why I love the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. Hey, uh, where can people reach out and say thank you for this immense masterclass oh, okay. thinly well, disguised as an interview? That would be that would be mass, uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, eddale.co.co yep. is my blog and you can see all the Twitter and Facebook and all that sort of stuff there. Yep, beautiful. Um, and finally, uh, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Ah, and geez, you even pre-balled that to me and I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> no, no. Um, no, who would be? Oh, I know because I want to interview him. So you should interview him first. <laughs> a guy called uh, Ari Mizell, who I know on Twitter. I don't know him person to Ari Mizell, M-E-I-S-E-L. He's just come out with a book called um, Less Doing, More Living. Hmm. And I think he would be fascinating for for everybody on this that you're working with to have a listen to him because, to me, uh, a very impactful book uh, back in uh, 2006, 2007 was um, Tim Ferriss's uh, oh, yeah. four-hour work week. Yeah. Not because he works four hours a week. He works more than four hours a week. But yeah. it was more the methodologies that he talked about really changed a lot of people. Um what I love about what Ari did in this book is that he's really 
brought forward because to, today in 2014 we have services like TaskRabbit mm. and um, in Australia Airtasker, and these are services where as a freelancer you may not have time to go and pick something up. Mm. You can get on your phone, right, and somebody will do it for like ten bucks. Mm. They'll drive and pick it up. So the reason I do is because if you can become more efficient and effective in outsourcing and all of these amazing life hacking techniques for want of a better word, mm-hmm. um, you're going to become a better consultant. You're going to become a more powerful freelancer. So that, yeah, he would be a great one now I think about it. Beautiful. All right. Well, Ari Mizell from Less Doing, I'm, I've got his links here. I'm going to stick it in the yeah. show notes and I'm coming to get you courtesy of Ed Dale. Keep your eyes on your inbox. And when I do interview him, I'll send you the link, Ed. Yeah, hey, awesome. man, this has been epic. I can't thank you enough for spending well over an hour with us on the podcast and giving us so much value. This really is a masterclass and I swear I could charge for it, but I'm not going to. Um, any final parting thoughts for our, oh, which actually we should announce the competition very quickly. Oh, yes. um, I'm giving away a copy of WP Touch Pro, which will turn your WordPress website into a mobile site. It's valued at 50 bucks for a year for one license. And in order to enter the competition, leave a comment under the video and tell us the percentage of traffic that you or your clients are getting from mobile devices. Ed, why do you want to know that? I just think it's fascinating. You know, when you know, when I read last week that YouTube now is watched more on mobile devices than desktops, I think it's something that's um, that's really changing. And I think for people in this, and I've got a bit of a sneaky uh, reason for doing it, is because I think everybody listening to this in the WordPress community and consulting and freelancing, um, I think they have to understand this, be ahead of it, so that you lead your clients down this path um, and understanding what the differences are between you know, desktop and mobile and the jobs to be done. So so that's my way to do it because, you know, I reckon for some clients I might look at it and go, holy mackerel. Mm. Okay, so leave your comment under the video. Tell us the percentage of traffic you or your client sites are getting from mobile and I'll get Ed to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize to the winner. Sound good? Yeah, totally. Love awesome, it. man. Thank you so much again. Uh, all the best for the future and uh, look forward to seeing what you're up to over the next 12 months. And thanks for everything you do, man. No worries. Thanks, Troy. Cheers. Well, I'm exhausted. I hope you are too. I think you'll agree that that was probably the most valuable episode of the podcast we have ever uh, put together. Ed is just unbelievable, full of great knowledge, full of great value, and just willing to share it and give it away. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast at wpelevation.com slash subscribe. And I'm sure you'll get some free stuff if you do, free ebook or a free report or a checklist or a webinar or a free video or something. We usually reward our our um, subscribers for subscribing to the podcast. And remember, this episode was brought to you by the Video User Manuals plugin. It puts over 70 video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, how to use the SEO by Yoast plugin, how to use WooCommerce, and how to set up and use Google Analytics, courtesy of Justin Catroni analytics advocate at Google who gave us permission to use his videos in our plugin. So you can now teach your clients how to use Google Analytics directly in their WordPress dashboard. Unbelievable. $1 for your first month, $24 a month after that for unlimited client sites. That's just ridiculous. That pricing strategy is going to change at some point, I promise you, because it's just too cheap, I'm telling you. Subscribe to the podcast. I've already said that. Visit the show notes and everything related to this episode at wpelevation.com slash eddale. E-D-D-A-L-E, all one word. Uh, And remember, leave your comments under the video and tell us the percentage of traffic that you or your clients' websites are getting from mobile devices and you could win 
a single site license of WP Touch Pro valued at $49 for the year. They don't even know that I'm giving that away. I have to work out how to do that with them. How I give them the money and get you a code, I'm not sure, but we'll figure it out because they're good guys. Uh, next week on the podcast, we have got Kim Gerstard, and I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. Kim Gerstard from Male Poet. I hope I've pronounced your name right, Kim. If not, you can correct me next week. Kim Gerstard from Male Poet, which is essentially MailChimp inside your WordPress dashboard. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Stick around for that. Give us a five-star review on iTunes if you like us. Connect with us on Stitcher Radio. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash WP Elevation. And by all means, if you are a WordPress consultant and you're in business, join WPElevation.com uh, and you'll get amazing business advice and coaching and join the incredible community of WordPress consultants we have here from all over the world, helping each other build the businesses that we all need to support the lifestyles we desire. That's how we roll. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Until then, go elevate.